I'm grateful that you're all here. Grateful that the Lord is here with us. Let's pray before we begin. God, you who hear us when we have the voice to speak, when it sticks in our throat, we trust that you are working. We wish to trust, and we ask that you would strengthen our faith. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We started our series last week during Lent on the concept of embodiment, and we're going to spend the next few weeks in the Psalms talking about these same concepts, what it means to be fully whole, complete, as God desires in our life and in our worship. Today, we're going to think about our ears, our hearing, essentially the capacity to understand what is being communicated to us. Now, some in this room, some gathered with us online, are deaf or hard of hearing, and they communicate in nonverbal ways and with assistive technology because the world that we live in is not always made for those who cannot hear. But this concept, this idea of bringing our whole selves together, includes both those of us who hear in a more common sort of way and those who hear in a less common sort of way. Whether you hear out of your literal ears or not, this is for you. We're going to reflect on the difference between what it means for us to hear something and what it means to hear it. One is about basically receiving information and the other is about deeply understanding it. When my mom would call to me when I was little from another room and she would ask me why I hadn't done a particular task she had assigned me, It was never my hearing that was the problem. It was my hearing. So as we talk today about ears, about listening, try to couple these ideas together, this concept of knowledge and hearing. Often we don't think about the challenges of human communication until it becomes difficult, something challenging to us. I didn't notice personally how often I read people's lips because of my own slow audio processing problems, until we started covering up our mouths. I don't notice even now when I'm speaking loudly or quietly unless I catch laryngitis and I desperately wish I could speak anything at all. Communication matters. And that also means that misunderstandings can have serious consequences. Most of the time when we misunderstand, it is unintentional. But sometimes we misunderstand with intention, with malice. We try to miss the meaning because not knowing is easier than knowing. We're going to read today from Psalm 40, the first six verses, and we're going to walk with the psalmist as they explain what is happening and the ways that God is teaching them. So let's start there. Verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the desolate pit out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Happy are those who make the Lord their trust, who do not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after false 
gods. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. Were I to proclaim and tell of them, they would be more than can be counted. Sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. So the first thing that the psalm tells us of is about God's own example. The way that God demonstrates the capacity to hear and understand. So they tell us of a time when they were in desperation, in a desolate pit, a miry bog, which for those of you people from the plains is just a marshy, muddy kind of swamp. And God leaned toward them, heard their cry, and then God sets their feet on a stable place, a rock, place of safety. This contrast from the earlier moments of mud and mire must have been huge. And even one who, like the psalmist, proclaims that they waited patiently gets tired of waiting in the pit. Then the psalmist continues, saying that God put a new song in their mouth, a song that is specifically a song of praise to God. This is probably not like a literal song, though if you want to think about it that way, that's a good way to consider it. But this song stands in for this new thinking, this fresh wind that has come about because the psalmist has experienced firsthand the salvation of God. And they finish off this portion with the affirmation that many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. In this time of great need, when the psalm writer is stuck, God heard the cry of the one who needed it and came to help. The second portion of the text is gratitude. Maybe this is in itself this song of praise. It's more than just merely words for the writer. It is deep knowledge and confidence that what they are saying is true. Happy or blessed are those who trust in God. The psalm writer knows that false gods, those who are proud and those who run after them, cannot save them. So they return to this center point of truth in their life, God's rescue. They affirm God's work to increase God's own works and loving actions towards those God has made. The psalmist says, none can compare to God. God who is so powerful and great and kind defies anyone trying to speak about God because every comparison falls short. The actions of God are uncountable, says the psalmist. It would take them forever and then some more. A God whose actions are so great they cannot be compared. A God whose actions are so many that they cannot be qualified. That is the God who has rescued the writer of our psalm. The final section of this reading is our return to the theme of our time this morning, the question of hearing. There are two particular things I want us to notice in this part. 
The first is the phrasing of God opening our ears. The verse that we read in the New Revised Standard says, you have given me an open ear. In some versions, uh, it's more common to say you have opened my ears, or they'll invert the sentence, my ears you have opened. Uh, The Hebrew is a bit different. Uh, The verb in the phrase, azanaim karita, is uh, karat, the verb. And it has a variety of meanings in Hebrew, but the most common usage is this concept of digging. Digging. It can also be like to cut, to carve, to make an opening. These are physical, visceral sorts of descriptions for the softness of you have opened, you have given me. God is not offering open ears to us like a weird sort of Van Gogh-esque birthday gift. But God who carved out our ears in the first place, who opened them physically so that we might have the chance to hear. So when we use our ears to hear God's truth, it is a return to the creation of them, God's own hand. The second thing we're going to reflect on in this final portion is the author speaking about the sacrifices. They say, sacrifice and offering you do not desire, burnt offering and sacrifice you have not required. Now, for those of you who are in our study on Wednesdays, where we've spent the last few weeks attempting to understand the sacrificing system, or who have spent time reading in your own Bibles the nitty-gritty of the early Hebrew Bible, you know that this verse is a little bit confusing. Yeah, unknown writer of this psalm, God did require sacrifices and offerings. It's like the basis of the whole religious system in Israel is the sacrifices. There are whole books describing how and when and how much. Even more so, that's what we would expect from the gods, right? In the ancient world, all gods received sacrifices. Different gods varied as to for what reasons, to what degree. So either the writer is very confused, or they're trying to talk about something more complicated. The system of sacrifices in the ancient world was sufficient in Israel to allow the people to be cleansed from their sin. And this is so that God could dwell in their midst, first in the tabernacle, the holy tent, later in the temple. To be God's people, to be dedicated to God, means that holy cleansing, ritual cleanliness, was necessary. But the work of keeping ritually clean was nothing if it just meant meeting the mark of holiness. The question is, do they get it? And do we? We see this often enough. It is easier to go through the motions than it is to allow God's truth to completely change your life. It is more straightforward to offer sacrifices on the right days, at the right times, than it is to have to change the way that you live. It is simpler to pray once in the morning, once at night, read your allotted chapters of the Bible, 
ask for forgiveness when you do wrong and also remember it. All of these much easier than what God is actually asking of us. What is the truth of God's instruction in the system of the sacrifices? That those who are of God uproot systems of sin and evil in their own lives and in the world. No one will deny it is far less difficult to live a life of well-motivated and genuine box-checking than it is to give God the keys to your time and your money and your values and your energy. So when the writer says that God did not require sacrifices, they're saying, God, what you wanted, what you desired from us, was a full submission, complete obedience, transformation. They are saying God did not demand a ritual sacrifice just so there would be a small financial contribution every time you thought you messed up that week. God did not organize a community where you offer grains and animals, incense and wealth for the sake of being religious just so that we could turn around and harass our neighbors, cheat our business partner, neglect our spouse. God used the system of sacrifices to teach Israel then and to teach us now this deeper truth. The real sacrifice, what God wants, is our very life. This idea is not new to the scriptures. We see this theme in many places, sometimes more subtly and sometimes explicitly. In Hosea 6, it reads, I desire steadfast love, not sacrifices. Knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. In 1 Samuel 15, to obey is better than sacrifice, to listen better than the fat of rams. In Matthew 9, talking about Jesus' rebuke of the religious leaders, their insistence on following the letter of the law, when he says that they are white-painted tombs, dead on the inside, beautiful on the outside, or cups that have been shined to perfection, but whose interior is still grimy. Jesus says to them, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Jesus, as with all the rest, isn't saying the system was made wrong or that it didn't work at all or we should just throw the whole thing away. Instead, they are saying that by only hearing the first layer of this teaching, the first instruction, it is easy to miss the very heart of God expressed in the teachings of God. Those who hear only the direct details might misunderstand. Those who prefer God to be kept to the easy life, as if God were a good morals phrase book that you could memorize and spit out at the right time. But if you desire to know God, then you will hear with new ears. The psalm writer proclaims, it is not a question of whether you heard the words of the law of God, it is a question of whether you hear it. Open ears means being able to understand all of what God asks, more than just our first impressions of what God has said. 
Transformation of the self does not happen on the outside, but deep within. By the example of the psalm writer, we want to follow in truly hearing what God has said, who God is. And to do that, we first commit to digging deeper than just the surface. God's own character, God's own heart are revealed in the text of the scriptures, but it is our responsibility to dig. The central core of who God is is revealed in the outer truths, but they are nothing compared to the depths of who God is. Our first responsibility is to dig deeper, not into ear canals, but into the truth of God. Remember, this is not just knowing what God has taught, what you have been taught, but the reality of God's own self. That will allow us to know God not as a superior being, but as our parent, not as a God who is distant, but one who is close and wraps arms around us. Our second responsibility is to be open to what God will teach us. even when it is challenging, even when it is surprising to us, even when it is difficult. Living a life of love is hard. Living a life of mercy is difficult. Living a life of compassion is challenging. But God has promised to save us when we are in distress, to never leave us when we feel most alone, and so we choose to be ready to receive what God will say. Our openness to God's teaching is what distinguishes us from those who hear only the first thing that God says. Those who hear the truth of God but do not hear it. Our third responsibility is a bit of a serious one. One that we must mean before we say it. Praying for something like this is not meant to be taken lightly. But having been open to God's teaching having dug deeper into God's character, we can ask God to give us what the psalmist has, to offer us new ears. It might mean more surgical knives than you want, more sacrifices of the self, of our own ego, but whatever we hear at surface level is not the fullness of the truth of God. And if we wish to truly know who God is, We cannot do so without committing to know God. So um, as a demonstration of our own commitment today, I'm going to have us repeat a simple line. I know I make you do this every now and then. I try not to do it too often so you don't get tired of it. But I think it's important for us as a community to confess the things that we believe, to commit together to the ways we want to live. So I'm going to say two short lines, one and then the other and you'll repeat each one after me, okay? Open our ears, O God. Open our ears, O God, to hear the truth of your heart. To hear the truth of your heart. You've been listening to me, Pastor Kana Moore, at Hayes Christian Church. Hayes Christian Church is a non-denominational fellowship in Hayes, Kansas. We are supported by the generosity of our members, attenders, and friends. The financial support we raise goes to projects which further spread the gospel 
to those who do not yet know Jesus, to those local, national, and international missions, and they help keep these podcasts free. If you would like to share a monetary gift with us, please visit our website at hayeschristianchurch.org and click on the donate button. Or you may mail your gift to P.O. Box 1111, Hayes, Kansas, 67601. If you have any questions, comments, or would like more information, we would love to hear from you. Simply go to our website and click on the Contact Us form. Thank you for your generosity, and may God bless you as you seek to follow Him.